Well, I've been here in Charlottesville for a little over 30 years now. And in the early part of this millennium, there was a place called the Prism Coffee House over on the corner of Gordon Avenue and Rugby Road in Charlottesville. And some great acts were booked there, including one called Old School Freight Train with the banjo player Ben Krakauer. And a couple of years later, I got to know Ben outside of the Prism and discovered his background in banjo and more. And we've kept that relationship going for the last 20 plus years. And I'm thrilled to bring Ben back in because he's got a new album coming out. And Ben, let's first of all, make sure you're out there. I'm here. Hey, Peter. Great to get you back here on WTJU. And Ben, you had an album come out, what, about three years ago called Heart Lake? Yeah, um, Heart Lake came out um, very end of 2019, and I managed to eke in a couple CD release shows before COVID shut everything down. And now you've got this new one coming out later in the month called Hidden Animals, and we'll be going through all the tracks on that. But for those who don't know you, let's talk about what got you first started down the world of music. Yeah, um, so my my parents don't play instruments, didn't play instruments, but, um, you know, they were just big appreciators of music and, and they like to sing, you know, um, and then, uh, I grew up in Williamsburg. So, uh, my brother, my older brother was in the Fife and Drum Corps and played Fife and was really fired up about that. And I, I did that eventually as well and quit after a couple of years, but, but I think it was seeing him take off with guitar that inspired me to want to really play. And then when I was 15, um, my friends already played guitar, so I thought I wouldn't catch up. So I thought I'd try banjo because there was some recordings, some Pete Seeger children's music with a tune called a song called Talking Union, which is like kind of a Woody Guthrie style, like pro-labor song with banjo, climber banjo. And then there was a Doc and Merle album that my dad got um, called Down South because he had seen this movie called Places Places in the Heart or Places from the Heart or something yeah. and heard heard a song from that. So Again, Callheimer banjo, Merle playing this climber song called Twin Sisters. But so when I was 15, I, I found this local teacher, Bill Gurley, who's turned out to just be an amazing, amazing musician and friend and mentor. Um, and he basically said, well, I, I play three finger style, you know, I play bluegrass style. So you should listen to Earl Scruggs, listen to Tony Trishka. And, you know, he pointed me in various directions of stuff he liked. And I was just... Um, it was like magic to get to go for weekly lessons with him for, for two years. And, and it just, everything kind of went from there. Now, had you already picked up an open back at that point and had to go find a bluegrass banjo or. I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I think uh, I don't even remember, but no, I, I, I got the standard kind of cheapo banjo. Most people start with, you know, which may, I think it had a resonator, but at that level of instrument, you know, kind of doesn't matter if it stays in tune. That's, that's like the main thing for getting you started. And so you had weekly lessons and when did you start to sense that this was an instrument that was going to really take over your life? You know, honestly, I, I feel like from the time I got it, like, cause even before the first lesson, I just remember messing around with it in the living room or whatever. And, uh, trying to pick out little melodies on one string and it's just being really fun. And like, I kind of, I, like I have memories from early, earlier in childhood of getting to sit down at someone's drum set 
and just wishing like, man, I just wish I knew how to make this thing work. Like I can kind of hit at it, but I don't know. Clearly there's some technique that I don't know of like how to make the music start happening, you know? And I think with banjo, just trying to find a note, trying to find melodies on one string itself was already pretty exciting. But then coming in for even just that first lesson, like, well, here's a roll, you know, which is like the building block of like the Earl Scruggs style, just a few notes. But right away, it was like, just wow, you know, this is this is an exciting thing. So pretty much right off the bat. And was it mostly you and your brother? Because I've got some recordings of you and your brother from the prism that I occasionally pull out and listen to. So I'm curious, what was that kind of your, your first ability to jam with somebody? So, you know, fortunately, you know, Bill Gurley, who I mentioned, um, he, you know, I, I'm, I teach a lot now and he's, he's still like a big model for me and how I teach because a big part of his lessons were I learned that I'd, I'd come in having learned the tune from the previous week and we jam on it. We'd be trade off lead and backup and he'd kind of push the tempo. That's something I don't do with my students. I tend to like keep it slow for precision. But one thing I want to incorporate more that he was really good about is he'd kind of see where your comfort zone is and then he'd push it a little bit, which is kind of like what would happen in a jam session or on stage. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd get to play with him, you know, during the lessons and uh, he would call me on stage if I would go to his shows. But yeah, so my brother was at college. Um, when I was learning. So when he would come home or when I would visit him or over the breaks, we'd play together. But um, I also put up, um, I made some, I put up some little note cards on the bulletin boards in the local music shops. There's a place called the Bandbox near William and Mary campus. And there's another place called Echoes, which may, I think was already around. And anyway, I put up these things and, and the guitar player named John Cleary, who was a student at William & Mary, got in touch. I basically said, I'm a banjo player looking to jam with people. So this, this guy at the college, you know, got in touch. So I would play with him about once a week. And then um, turns out his brother is Joseph Campanella, who's a Luth well-known luthier from Vermont and... Mm -hmm. Um, actually what's kind of cool is years later that somehow they're friends with Abby Washburn, I guess from summer camps or growing up or something. And years, a few years later, they played Bela and Abby, my wide open album, which was kind of allowed me to get to meet Bela eventually. So that was just, you know, lucky happenstance, but yeah. So, so that guy, John Cleary, and then, uh, and then eventually Pete Frostick too, who was the, who ended up being the mandolin player in old school freight train. He also, you know, a year later came to William and Mary. So the three of us would jam and, my friend Evan Morse, who lives in Richmond, is a you know great friend and nice fiddle player. You know, so all the, those that those, that was kind of my crew of people until I came to UVA and then fell in with some of the people who you've probably heard me play with over the years at, at the Prism and places like that. And of course, you went out. Was it Rocky Grass where you went out and took part in the banjo competition? Yep. So. Um, yeah, so so there's that band Old School Freight Train that you mentioned. Uh, went to Rocky Grass for the for the band competition, and I did the banjo one. And and yeah, I was fortunate enough to to win a banjo, which I quickly sold so I could make you know keep some money from it because um, I already had a banjo that I like to play. Um, uh, yeah, that was that was a good time. And of course, we've talked about Old School Freight Train, and you played with them for a number of years before you went off and kind of started to explore the world and more academics. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I played with old school from 2000 to two, till the end of 2006. Um, and around the time I was leaving the band, I was thinking more and more about how, well, one of the reasons why I was leaving is I was recognizing the fact that rather than traveling and gigging so much, like 
I really enjoy, uh, like at the time, like reading was a thing that I was like, just like relishing some more time for. And I think, um, I think I was just wanting to like get, yeah, I was thinking about the academic thing. So I, I kind of sat in on a few graduate classes at, at UVA and then, um, and then eventually went for an ethnomusicology program at Tufts and then later at UT Austin. And, um, when I was, when I had been at UVA, I took a lot of classes on, on South Asian music, um, like Indian cinema and, and different Indian classical music and different types of, they, they, for some reason, they had a lot of course offerings in South Asian music and, and other disciplines as well when I was a student there. So, um, and I followed up on that in the ethno program and did this research project in, in India and a little bit in Bangladesh and, um, which was really great. I got to meet some really wonderful musicians, wonderful people there. And, um, and notably while I was there for my year of field research, I brought a fiddle and not a banjo and living without a banjo for a year, just like lit that fire under me again. So I got back from that year of research in 2013. And just ever since then, I've just been so fired up again about banjo, like, um, you know, we just go on these arcs through life. It's, it's non-linear process with all these different things we experience in music. You know, I had I had a little dip there when I was doing it so intensely professionally, and then taking the little break from it has just really, and 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 having all the fresh experiences too in India with new types of music that I that I that I was a novice at and didn't wasn't as familiar with. Like, yeah, it's very inspiring. Well, we're here, of course, to go track by track through this new album, Hidden Animals, which is coming out. Is that the 24th of March? Uh, 22nd. 22nd. Okay. Yep. So that is coming up shortly. And you have been composing songs or tunes for how long? Uh, you mean for this album or just in general? Just in general. When, when did you start writing? I, I mean, of course, with the old school, you had tunes like Kyoju, not, not Kyoju, excuse me, but the, oh. Just went blank on that tango. Uh, yeah, tango, tango chutney. chutney yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been writing for a long time. I mean, I, I don't. I think you know, probably since high school. At some point, I remember there's a tune called "High Tide" that I wrote that I used to play with my brother and, and Pete and Evan. So yeah, I've been writing for a long time. And when did you start to realize the complexities of writing? tunes because certainly listening to your early material and up to this you know obviously you've progressed so i'm just curious when you started thinking beyond the banjo as you were composing yeah i mean so you know i, I was i was playing a lot of guitar too when i was younger like around the same time i started banjo i did with guitar so i would write for banjo and guitar but um i think with old school freight train uh playing with that group of musicians with bass guitar mandolin fiddle and banjo um, you know, I got to, I just got a better sense of how an ensemble fits together and, and how you shape a tune, you know? So I think with that band, I was starting to get more of a sense of that. Um, and I think, um, just over the years, my listening tastes have got, I mean, I think my listening tastes have always been pretty eclectic, but I just feel like they've gotten maybe more and more so. And, um, I think whenever I'm listening to anything that I like, I'm always thinking like, you know, how might this fit into the music I play with banjo? Cause it's not always an obvious fit, 
but sometimes you might notice some little thing of like, um, there's a certain rhythm or I, I think an obvious example is the banjo has all these really short percussive notes. It has this attack and a fairly rapid decay. Like the notes don't stick around forever after you hit them and you can milk that you can, you can be patient with it and listen and, and let them draw out. But you know, it has certain limitations, whereas a violin or fiddle can really sustain a note. So yeah, I would say most things I write, there's often one section that's written more for a lyrical voice like a violin. And then I'm always thinking of bass lines too. And in fact, when I make these, when I make write the, a lot of these tunes, sometimes I'll make a demo and I'll play electric bass on the demo to kind of get some ideas. And then I'll end up playing with some, then I'll play with Dan Klingsberg, who's this wonderful bass player and he'll do something way better than whatever I would have thought up on bass. But, but it's fun to, to kind of flesh out the tune with bass myself before, you know, a better bass player comes and takes Absolutely. over. Yeah. I was chatting with, Grant Gordy, a mutual friend who we'll be chatting about a little more later in our session, because I know you've got a tour coming up with Grant and Joe K. Walsh and Dan mm -hmm. Klingsberg. But Grant was saying the same thing. You know, he would pull out his mandolin and play a little bit as he was trying to figure things out. So, well, I've been teasing our listeners with going track by track, and we might as well start with the first track which happens to be the title track, Hidden Animals. Tell us about this one. Great. Um, so this tune, what's, very, what's funny is that some of your listeners might know my previous album, and there's a tune on the previous album called Poodles. And uh, it, the Hidden Animals, for the longest time, its name was Poodles 2 or like Return of the Poodles. Or, and, and I decided for different reasons not to, not to keep the same name. But it's just kind of... Um, I, I just think of it as being kind of fun and playful and that hidden animals thing, you know, I think has a lot of meanings. So I, I thought, I thought some of those meanings suited that tune pretty well, but um, it's just, uh, it's just a fun, playful tune. And it's, I think it's inspired by, you know, definitely some of the like music from like, like Chick Corea, Bela Fleck, um, some of the Nintendo music, you know, I used to growing up, I was playing some Nintendo and Sega Genesis. And there's this a Japanese composer named Koji Kendo. I think I'm getting his name right. Um, who, you know, kind of a similar vein to some of that Chick Corea and Bela Fleck, like seventies, like fusion, jazz fusion kind of sound. And, um, I think inspired probably by a lot of Brazilian music and jazz and, and bluegrass. So, you know, those sounds are, are in there. And I see you've got a little inspiration from Ed Young's two recent books in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Ed Young is this amazing science writer who writes with so much uh, uh, humor and clarity and, you know, balancing that the sort of macro and the micro and the different things he writes about. And um, so he quite literally writes about, I mean, the, the title of the, the tune is Hidden Animals. And, you know, he, he, has, he has this whole book about the, mi the microbiome, you know, the the, the title of that book is called I Contain Multitudes and just thinking about how we have this narrow sense of identity, but like the I that we refer to is the function of just all these life forms that are part of our body and, and kind of not only help us survive, but even like help generate some of the things we experience just in our sensory capacity. And um, his second book is about sensory capabilities of different animals and just, uh, yeah. So just that hidden world, uh, just that hidden animals thing and just thinking of all the things that are, you know, under the surface, beneath the surface, both in, in what we perceive of the world, but also even just like behind the scenes in our own minds and bodies that, we, you know, we, we kind of get a sliver of that. And I don't know, I think music is a place to 
maybe explore some of the the immensity that we can't even really uh, grasp.
the title track and the first track from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. And we're going track by track through the album with Ben. And Ben, how did that end up as the first track on the album? Yeah, that's a good question. So my uh, Nick Falk, who plays drums on the album, is my co-producer. He also co-produced the last album with me. And um, he's great with set lists and tune order and things like that. You know, so he he had a pretty he had a vision for the tune order of this album. And, and I thought it was really good. And then I was listening to it with my partner, um, Laura Ogburn. And, and she also has like really good insights about music and, and compositions and about the ways things should fit together. And she was kind of noticing that in the previous, the, the, the initial track order, we opened with like an ensemble piece. And, um, and she was saying that she felt like this one, Hidden Animals, kind of let everybody's voices really come out, like right off the top. You get like everyone has a solo and you really hear that kind of that personality. Whereas I think the previous one was like, let's start with a moody thing, kind of welcome in any listener, whether they like this thing or the other thing. Hidden Animals is maybe a little bit of a bold choice because it's it's like, uh, it's jazzy. The very first solo is this great fiddle solo from Duncan Wickle. And his idea was like, hey, let's not like worry about the chords for my A part. Let's just not have any chord, like just to be tonally kind of free with it. So, you know, for some listeners who are maybe more into the the folk side or some of the mellow or prettier kind of side of, of what I like to do, you know, I hope this track won't be too esoteric for them, but I think it's fun. And it certainly introduced personality right off the bat. Well, we've talked about Duncan, Dan, and Nick. Let's talk about the other instrumentation yeah. voices. So Duncan, Dan, and Nick, you mentioned, and then, and then the last person who I haven't mentioned yet, who is just an incredible player and such an inspiration and, and such a fun person to work with, is Ella Jordan. So Ella, um, some of your listeners probably know Ella from uh, the band Mile 12, which is a great young bluegrass band with B.B. Bowness on banjo. And uh, so um, Ella is from Texas. She's from outside of Austin and her and her older sister, Minnie, um, somehow from a really young age got super into jazz and swing and their parents don't even like jazz and swing, but the little girls got into it growing up in Texas on a, like a, a farm or ranch where they would take care of like injured birds, you know, and, uh, they, and ride horses and stuff and were and studied jazz. And like, um, she just has this wonderful phrasing and, and, uh, her personality. I mean, everyone I work with, I think musicians in general, and, and certainly everyone I work with, it's like their personality just comes out in the way they play. And so I just, yeah, she's just got some great personality in her playing. And um, uh, I feel like there's one other thing I was going to say, but I, I lost it now. That's all right. Well, we are going track by track through this new album, Hidden Animals with Ben Krakauer. And we've heard the title track and we're moving on to On Hold. And when you hear that these days, you kind of wonder if your life was on hold during the pandemic. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's like right on the nose what that title is about. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, what a what a couple what a you know a bunch of years we've all lived through. I think with with music or any kind of craft, I mean, in the best of times, in the best of pandemic times, it's like an opportunity to hunker down and really work on the thing. You know, I think maybe different people experience that in different ways, whether it's reading books or practicing music or, or seeking out therapy or, or reaching out to some friend they've lost touch with. You know, there's different versions of that. I mean, of course, it's a, the, the, the coronavirus lockdown is a terrible thing, but 
I think it also afforded some uh, some things like that. So I think this on hold, there's something about the quality of the tune, the arrangement that has this like a little bit of like a brooding kind of contained sort of intensity maybe. And I just thought on hold would be a good title for that one. Well, that brings up the question. Did you write most of these during the pandemic or what, what's the time span from start to finish in terms of oldest and newest? Yeah, well, so the, the pandemic, I mean, started just a couple months after Heart Lake came out. So I would say, I know on the Heart Lake CD release tour, we played maybe two or three of the tunes that are on this album. So, you know, we started, so yeah, I had a couple written, I had a couple written in 2019 and probably in the, in the later months of 2019, I, I, I continued to write. So that, that basic, more or less, they're written you know, since 2019, but maybe one or two, I might've started the year before that or so. What's the oldest one on the album and what's the freshest? So the newest one is on hold actually. Um, So, you know, the music, I think when I was, so my friend Tristan Claridge is this wonderful uh, cello player and fiddle player on the last album had given me the advice of like, you know, think about having a variety of tempos and that, that, that's just, you know, some fast, some slow, some medium, et cetera. And I think I was thinking about that on this album and I think it had a variety of tempos, but pretty much everything or most things were in 4-4 time, which is usually we turn on the radio and living in, in like this part of the world, you hear a lot of the music we hear is in 4-4 and I love music in 4-4. Um, and there's a reason why most of what I write is in 4-4 because that's what I end up feeling in my head a lot of the time. But I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, I think I'd like to write something in in, in more of a six, eight type feel or three, four type feel. Um, and with that goal in mind, I ended up writing on hold as like, so that was the most recent one. And then and I, that, I wrote that probably just a couple months before the, before we went to the studio. And then the first one I wrote, um, the first one may have been Laura's tune, which is coming out. Oh, I guess we're, we're, we're that's perfect timing. So we're about to listen to that one. Uh, that one and, and Laura's tune is going to be released on March 13th. So I don't know when this, when this is going to air, but maybe it'll already be out by then. Um, but uh, Laura's tune I wrote and played it at a new year's uh, kind of gathering of friends and concert with, with Grant Gordy and Joe Walsh and Dan Klingsberg and some of these other musicians um, Duncan, who's on the album. Uh, I played through an early version with them, um, which is probably swimming around on YouTube somewhere under a different title. Well, let's go listen to On Hold, and maybe we'll even sneak in Laura's tune. No All right.
was Laura's tune from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. And ahead of that, On Hold, the second track from that same album, out on the 22nd of March, with a couple singles being released here and there ahead of it. Well, we mentioned Laura's tune and how that was probably the oldest one, but tell us a little more about the background of the tune and... Yeah. So, um, so, you know, Joe Walsh, who we've mentioned a couple of times, um, is just this great, uh, tune writer. Like he writes these really, really nice melodies that to my ear, the thing that, the thing that always strikes me about them is about how they have this kind of, um, deceptive simplicity. So you listen to them, they just sound beautiful, like right up front, they just sound beautiful. But then you listen to them more and you notice new things on every listen. And they're not the kind of beautiful that you get tired of. They're the kind of beautiful that you keep listening to. And there's always more to enjoy. And if you learn how to play them, it's like they've got these unusual things in them that that are you know gratifying as a musician. So I think... Um, I think I was just wanting to write a tune that had the same quality of, of being very beautiful to listen to and being lyrical and, and having space, having the like spaciousness within the melody. Um, and then of course it's dedicated to my partner, Laura, um, because it's just, it's the, it's a sound that I just, uh, you know, I think she and I both appreciate and, and I just, the, what it ended up sounding like is a sound, you know, that I, I associate with her. So that'll be nice to, to, to name it for her. Those just tuning in, we've got Ben Krakauer with us. We're going track by track through his great new album, Hidden Animals, out on the 22nd of March. And we're coming up to, well, I'm going to let you pronounce this one just in case. Gem music. Oh, yes. We, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somehow I thought I saw you in between there. I need to get better reading glasses. <laughs> so tell us about gem music. So, yeah, this is funny. You know, this is going to be one that's going to either be like a hit or miss for your listeners. But there's this show, this animated show called Steven Universe, which is just like, it's just like the best, uh, you know, media, like fictional kind of media. I feel like I've taken in in like years and years, just this amazing show with great animation and voice acting. I mean, you'd love it, Peter, because I know you do voice acting as well. If you haven't already seen it, I think you'd really like it. But it's just this amazing show. And um it was just, I think I say in the liner notes, it was kind of like an oasis for me during COVID because it's just, um, it's just, it, it's one of these shows that deals with all the really heavy stuff of the world and in life, but it's also just truly beautiful and truly heartwarming. And it's like the kind of show that if you're someone who cries, it makes you cry on a regular basis, but not even about the things you would cry about. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's that kind of a show. Um, and so there's a lot, and there's wonderful music in it by the, the show's creators is named Rebecca Shiger and the main composers for like the instrumental music is a duo named Ivy and Surashu. So, um, yeah, this um, gem music is kind of like, uh, I, I call it that because it sounds a little bit like one of the action sequences uh, that the music that's sometimes used in these action sequences in that show. Well, let's go and listen. Gem music from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. <laughs>
off of Ben and Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. That was gem music. And, well, we've heard Laura's turn earlier, and now we're coming up to another loved one in your life. Yep. Yeah. So, so um, my dog, Birdie, uh, um, yeah, we got a, this great kind of a little bit of a high maintenance dog, but he's a wonderful dog um, named Birdie. And um, there's, you know, he, I wrote, I wrote some, so- I named some songs on this album for people that are important to me, but Birdie's the only one that got two songs named for him. So <laughs> this, this is for his tender side. Cause he's a, he's a, he's a pit mix and he's like a dog that when we're around the house, he, he just wants to cuddle all the time and sit on the couch if we'll let him and stuff. So this is um, it's called and Birdie, which is, is a reference again to that show that I mentioned earlier that some of your, Listeners might catch how that's a reference to the show if they know that show. from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. And for those who know the show, Steven Universe, see if you can figure out why that might be relevant. You know, as a listener, sometimes I, I really do love music where, where musicians are stretching out and improvising and trying different things. And I love all that drama that comes with it, with improvising and solos and passing around solos where the different personalities shine through. But another thing I really appreciate as a musician is um well one short songs or short tunes that are just these little nuggets that are just crafted in just such a way and you get exactly the amount you want and then you're on to the next one and i kind of associate this with some of the songwriters who i really admire so um margaret glasby has well she has she has two really great albums out but her first album 
which unfortunately I'm drawing a blank on right now, to me has that quality of these kind of short, really crafted songs. Do you, are you familiar with her? I am. And I'm just trying to remember what, what the title of that album it's was. It's Emotions and Math. Emotions and ah. Math is the one I'm thinking of. And like every every song is just this like nugget. So that's, she's someone I think about that with that. And another songwriter I think about with this is uh, Dory Freeman and her album, 10,000 Roses, which which Nick, who's you know the co-producer and drummer on this album, he's also a producer and drummer on that. Um, but again, both of them, just wonderful songwriting and just the overall kind of sonic package and compositions are just these just... I just really love listening to stuff like that. So um, I think and Steven for me is one of these tunes where it's like, you know, I think we play through the form twice. There aren't no solos, but it's just kind of shaped out really nicely. Everybody jumps in and everybody just is really listening carefully and plays just the right thing. And it just has a little build. And um, so that's, you know, we talked about the kind of crazier side that I, of music that I sometimes really enjoy of, of like, like the hidden animal shows, but, but I think I also, as someone, as someone who writes tunes and records, I'm also often trying to make these things that are these little uh, kind of contained little nuggets of music, you know? Well, that brings up the question of how much time did you set aside to record the album and getting everyone together? Um, so we spent uh three days, if I'm getting this right, we spent three days of, of rehearsal, like just we're, that was, we were all just in a place together rehearsing and then, um, and then four days in the studio. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the short answer to that one. And you recorded it where? We recorded it at, uh, Charlie Van Kirk's studio in Round Pond, Maine. Um, the reason for that is that, um, so Dan and Ella um, were both like based up in Portland and uh, Nick's parents were in Maine. So I was kind of hoping I'd be able to catch him and he's up there anyway. Basically I'm trying to avoid flying people to a recording studio. Right. And then Duncan is, you know, his, his partner Lily was on a Fulbright in, in Paris. So he was like in Paris and in New York. So he was kind of anywhere would be, would work for him. So I'd figure to do the destination recording in a region of the country. Where I wouldn't have to fly people to. So you did the recording up in Maine and was it anything that you had to bring anyone back in later on to do any posts on, or did you get everything done during that? No, I mean, this is kind of, uh, what do they say? They say cinema verite or whatever. I feel like this is music verite. Like, uh, we had that, those four days to, to just make it happen. Um, you know, I think I like having a slightly live quality to an album where it's where it's people playing in a room together. Um, this was literally a, a really nice recording studio, but it's literally one room. So even though we had drums, like we were literally just all in a room, including the drums together um, with really minimal, even baffling for separation. So, you know, um, there's reasons why that's not the typical way you make an album, but the major positive side of it is that it's just like a jam session you're just in a room with clear sight lines and hearing people in real time so it captures some of the magic um onto the record and yeah it's it wasn't a thing you know there were things where where like maybe there's uh you know, I, I can speak for myself. There are some moments where like, oh man, like I wish I, you know, I wish I could have nailed that a little better. But what, you know, Dan, who I kept, who keep mentioning the bass player, 
you know, he's so great about this. Like, he, and he wouldn't even be saying it in like an affirming kind of way. He'd just be like, sounds like music, you know, like, oh man, like I really messed up. He's like, yeah, it sounds like music, you know? And I, I, I kind of love that. Just that reminder that sometimes our bar for music is like, you know, what is kind of like industry standard of a recording sound, like where you kind of carefully take away the sound of singers breathing and take away the sound of pick noise and all these things. But that kind of reminder that like, you know, when you make a record, it's an opportunity to capture a moment of people playing together in real time. And part of that will be the little imperfections that, you know, we all love about a lot of the classic recordings that we love. But when you're making your own record, it can be tempting to want to fix every little moment. There's another track on the CD as well, where there are some things I was tempted to fix in kind of in the in the mixing process. And Nick was like, like, no, it sounds good. Let's leave it. And there's even a thing where Dan played. There is a there is an extremely like quote wrong note that Dan plays on one of the tracks that was on electric bass. So we had the possibility of of moving it like digitally. And I tried moving it a bunch, and I just liked the wrong note better than any of the right ones. So we kept the wrong note. <laughs> so that's there's that's some be- some beautiful lesson in there, I think. Some of my favorite albums are done that way there's a great producer musician as well joe bass i don't know if you've ever oh yeah i know joe yeah and joe does a very similar for it with a lot of string acts especially he'll just drop the mics there and it's let's pick up what's in the room and don't worry about any bleed you know make it sound the way it would yeah well we're going track by track through ben krakauer's new album hidden animals and we're coming up to low roll yeah, low roll. I mean, that this is kind of a wonky banjo player name for a tune because there's you know we talk about these rolls with how you play banjo, these patterns you do with your your fingers and your picking hand, and um, low roll is just I was kind of experimenting with a certain kind of rhythm, uh, you know. To I'm not going to bore your listeners with the banjo details, but a certain a certain little technique and and writing a tune with that. Um, it's a little bit of a, I mean, only banjo players are really going to get this, but there's a tune on my previous album called Other Sons, which is kind of does a similar thing, but on a higher string. And this does a similar thing, but on the lower string. So if any of your banjo player listeners are checking those out, they might hear some, even though those don't sound like each other, there's some technical thing that's similar there, but, but yeah, just, um, it's, it's kind of named for that technique. And then it's also really inspired by, um, when I was living in uh, West Bengal in India and, and also traveling in Bangladesh, um, there's an instrument called dotara, which is like a four string fretless banjo type instrument that musicians play over there. And um, the right hand technique, um, especially my friend Amirul, who I spent a lot of time with, this musician named Amirul Khan, or sometimes he goes as Amirul Fokir when he performs. Um, he's got this great right hand, but you can find him on YouTube and he, um, but he does a lot of things where he'll like do like a double two downstrokes in a row, which is kind of like, you can picture any movement where like normally there's like the movement and then there's a reset required. So to do the, the same thing twice in a row, it's like, you have to really rush the reset, but you know, it's, it's, and you get some cool musical sounds with that. So anyway, I was kind of inspired by that dotara sound and trying to incorporate a little bit of that into the banjo picking.
Low Roll there from Ben Crack Hour's new album, Hidden Animals, coming out on the 22nd of March. And let's talk about the label, because this is a label that's really coming into its own with some musicians that I certainly love and a lot of I, I know the WDJU listeners appreciate as well. Yeah, so the label is called Ajaropa Records, um, and I learned about them because you know, I'm, I'm friends with Joe K. Walsh and I saw that he had this new record coming out on this label. And I was like, okay, well, if Joe likes that label, like, let's see what they're about. And I looked at their roster and I saw other friends like Ethan Satiawan is on there and Jake Jolliffe is on there. These are all, you know, wonderful mandolin players who are, who are friends of mine. And, and, and so I was interested in that and I was looking at the, the rest of their roster and seeing that it was all like kind of artsy. Uh, I mean, I say artsy in a good way, like, uh, music like sort of the kinds of things that um just looked interesting to me you know not all stuff i'd heard of but it looked like an interesting collection of music from you know a lot of different types of genres mostly acoustic types of genres and um i saw that they were artist owned and um you know um and uh joe brant who i who i met who's one of the people who runs that label he's a wonderful uh, classical mandolinist and uh, Sarah Caswell is this awesome fiddler who I've been hearing her name for years. I, I think maybe she was from that crop of fiddlers with like Hanukkah Castle and, and some of those folks like from, I think maybe she went to Berkeley with them back in the day. So I've been hearing her name forever, but um, just, yeah. And I talked to Joe Brent and and he was telling me about the label and it sounded like great label to work with. Um, so very pleased to be part of that roster. Yeah. And I'll say, well, they also have albums with songs they're not afraid to put out all instrumental albums and I applaud them for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you mentioned, of course, your album and Joe's and Ethan's, which is coming out. And so it's a joy knowing that besides being a great label, that they're willing to make sure that instrumental albums have a place because there aren't a lot of those out there. And as someone whose program is all instrumental, it's always nice to know that I can turn to a label knowing I'm going to find some, some great acts there. And Absolutely. The way, to, the way to pronounce that label one more time for folks? Adya Ropa. So uh, well, it's well, it's well, a Sanskrit word, like, Adya, you know, it's, but yeah, Adya Ropa is probably how they say it. Yeah. And we'll make sure we've got a link up for folks to find it as well in case they want to discover more about that label. But right now we're going track by track. And you mentioned that the track up there right now, if they go right away and get that is brushy tell us about this one yeah so brushy you know i mean you'll appreciate this peter because you know you and i both went to so many shows at the prism coffee house you know fred would always fred boyce would always bring in um like obviously bluegrass and old time acts but a lot of like uh celtic acts as well and um there's a certain type of fiddle tune that's i associate it with old time music and also with like um like irish music and uh, that has this particular kind of mode that this, this tune is written in. And I was thinking that this would be a really like mellow, like low key kind of almost like spooky sounding fiddle tune. And Duncan, um, you know, he plays cello and fiddle in this album, but at, at, you know, just hanging out with him over the years, I've heard him play um, bazooki before and, and octave mandolin. And he is like great at that style, that kind of John Doyle or uh, Eamon O'Leary sort of style of, uh, you know, bazooki octave mandolin playing. So I was almost picturing like, oh, I'll have him do that. It'll be really groovy and kind of down tempo. But when I played it, when I played the tune with the musicians in rehearsal, 
they were all just feeling it as this like barn burner, like really fast kind of uh, tune, um, which is a sound I love when they play. Cause like uh, Duncan and Nick used to be in a band with Rick Robertson called, they had a few names, the Boston boys actually played on that first record. that's called the Boston boys, but they had a band called the Rondo Riggs and they, they kept changing the name, but um, they would do these like really fast kind of old time fiddle tunes with Nick on drums doing his thing and Duncan doing his thing. So I think even though it wasn't the vision I originally had for the tune, I love hearing those musicians play it that, you know, fast like that. So, um, you know, I say, I mean, I think I said there was a feature of this album and I said, like, I had a hard time keeping up. That's not me being humble. That's like, honestly, like I wasn't prepared to play it this fast, but, but it was one of these things where clearly like musically, that was going to be the best way to deliver it. Even if my own ego is going to have to take a hit that I didn't execute it in the way that I might have, if I spent a little more time working on it as a faster tune. Well, there are a lot of musicians. I'm thinking right now of the great Norwegian fiddler, Olav Mjölva, who he finds ways to re-record his originals on each subsequent album. So you get to hear different in interpretations. So maybe Brushy will, resurface down the road. I hope so, yeah.
the barn burner that is known as Brushy from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals, out on Bandcamp. And Ben, you've got some touring coming up, don't you? I do. Yeah. So I've got a CD release show happening in Black Mountain, North Carolina. So I don't think we've mentioned yet, but I, I live in uh, Swannanoa, North Carolina, and teach at Warren Wilson College. And um, uh, so I'm going to be playing. And, and what, I've, what I've taken to do with my music is I'll, whatever, whatever region I'm playing in, there's certain musicians who I like to work with in that region. And those are the people who I'll, who I'll play with. So I'll be playing with Kevin Kerberg on bass, who's a wonderful bass player who also teaches to me at the college. Uh, Bennett Sullivan, who maybe your listeners know as a banjo player, but he's also a great guitar player. So he's playing guitar and singing some stuff. He said we did a show before and he sang a bunch of stuff from the Tony Rice catalogs. So that's pretty fun. And then uh, David Benedict, who's a wonderful mandolin player who has a band called the Foreign Landers and used to play with the band Mile 12. Uh, so David's on mandolin. And then I'm even going to have there's a really great group of students right now that I'm coaching at Warren Wilson and the Warren Wilson Bluegrass Band. Um, and I'm going to have them come and, and play a couple tunes as well at the show. And that's not going to be like, you know, the concession of like, oh, now some students are going to get up. It's going to be like, it'll be exciting when those students get up and nice. play a couple. And then did I see something about you playing out with Zoe and Cloyd? Exactly. Yeah. So, so Kevin, who I mentioned earlier and, you know, also plays with me in this group called Zoe and Cloyd, which is, it's, those are the middle names of Natalia Weinstein and John Miller. Um, who also teach with, they also work with us at Warren Wilson and um, they have this cool thing, their, their album, which I think is not out yet, but maybe it's out yet. It's coming out. Um, it's called songs of our grandfathers, which is a, a nod to the the famous Grisman and Statman album songs of our fathers. And they both have, have uh, so John Miller's grandfather was Jim Shoemate, who's who played with Flatten Scruggs and Monroe and introduced Scruggs and Monroe actually and so Natalia has learned a whole bunch of his fiddle stuff and they do, they do a bunch of his repertoire. And then Natalia's grandfather uh, immigrated to this country from, I can't remember if it was Ukraine or somewhere in that part of the world and was a klezmer musician. So, and he left behind all these notebooks. So she, um, you know, she like goes through his notebooks and handwritten notebooks and learns some of the, the tunes that he used to play. So, and for me, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, I, I love playing the, the bluegrass they do and the Klezmer stuff they do. And the other thing about them is like, they are like, you know, they just go for it. You know, like there's different ways of playing music. There's ways in which you can kind of be more delicate about it. There's ways in which you can, you know, different approach it in different ways, but they like really just, just have this joyful, powerful way of playing. And it's, 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 it's fun to be a part of that. And yeah, I'm, I'm put, doing some shows with them including uh, in September, we're playing at the Earl Scruggs festival in Shelby, North Carolina, which I'm very excited about. And in May, we're playing at the OMA Bluegrass Festival in Northern Ireland, which I'm extremely excited about as well. And folks can find those dates over at bencrackhour.com. And that actually includes coming up in July, some gigs that you'll be doing with Grant Gordy, Joe K. Walsh, and Dan Klinsberg up there in Vermont and upstate New York. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm very excited for that. So Jan, uh, Grant and Joe both have uh, new albums out this year as well. So we're going to be doing some stuff from each of our three albums and um, that'll just be a blast. Like those, those guys are just, um, just such good friends and such awesome musicians. Um, and it'll, I mean, all these people, I just feel so lucky to get to play with these musicians. It's like, it's, I mean, to get to play music with people who you really admire and love to spend time with I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Well, the day that we are recording this, Joe and Grant, along with Daryl Langer and 
and Ethan o or Aiden O'Donnell are going in to record the Ellington version of the Nutcracker. So, yeah, <laughs> can't wait to hear that. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're not here to chat about that album, although you can be sure we will be down the road. We're going track by track through this great new album from Ben, Hidden Animals. Well, Ben, we are coming up to a song, rather the tune Tidewater. And of course, having grown up in Williamsburg, I have to imagine that has something to do with the title. Yeah, that, that's the name. I mean, I guess probably in Charlottesville, I'm sure, sure a fair number of your listeners are, are relocated from, you know, Hampton Roads area or Williamsburg or that, that area and probably have some of the same attachments and memories I have of growing up and, and playing around the creeks and rivers and stuff. And I just, you know, I love that. You know, I love that, that whole, that part of the, um, that whole region, you know, all those great rivers and stuff there. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's the name of the tune. Um, and then the tune itself, um, you know, I think I say in the liner notes, it's inspired by uh, the dog music, you know, David Grisman's instrumental stuff, who, who I was lucky enough to get to, to play with, you know, um, back in the old school freight train days. And, and then also another just huge, huge um, musical kind of uh, role model for me, uh, Stevie Wonder, you know, just this amazing composer and player um, and just such, a, yeah, just such an amazing musician. Um, and Stevie Wonder has this thing where, you know, his songs are so popular. And, you know, one of the reasons why I think his songs are one of the many reasons why I think his songs are popular is they have melodically they're really cohesive like a lot of he does a lot with a pentatonic scale which is a five note scale that you know is very recognizable but then the way he harmonizes it is like is unbelievable and like i know for me when i when i study his music and, and learn how to play a new song i, I learn something new about harmony every time because it's like it's just amazing the things he does so this tune is kind of like kind of like a dog tune but also the way it's harmonized is sort of inspired by stevie wonder that the harmony sort of moves around in some dramatic kind of ways which makes it challenging and fun to solo over and one thing that was really fun on this recording is that um nick you know co-producer for this one he suggested like why don't i take a you know a double length solo for this one and um that's not really my orientation as a band leader or as a recording artist to kind of like give myself the lion's share like I, I like to the ensemble format but you know i thought that would be fun i thought that'd be a fun challenge so um and i remember when we were in the studio i told them you know we'd done a couple takes and i i told them like you know when it's my turn uh surprise me and then we got to my solo and they did <laughs> a bunch of them dropped out and it was just really fun. And just the little surprises like that are like a catalyst a lot of times, you know? Um, so, so this was a really, a really fun one to record um, called uh, Tidewater. Thank you. 
Tidewater from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals, out on the 22nd of March. And you can find that over on Bandcamp, and there's a link over at bencrakauer.com as well. Or there will be. Mm-hmm. And we are going track by track through this great new album. And coming up to Look At You Go. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, more of your listeners, you all your Steven Universe fans will recognize the reference of that, that title as well. Um, this one, uh, it's basically a jazz ballad. I mean, I think uh, genre wise, this is probably the tune on the album that people will hear and most readily be able to fit into like a genre setting. I guess brushy is kind of like that as well. Um, but, um, I actually wrote it on piano, which is pretty exciting. So since I got this job at Warren Wilson, one of the things that came with that job was an office with a piano in it. So of course that meant I had to, you know, learn how to play it. So I've been practicing piano a lot over the past bunch of years. And I I wrote this tune on piano. I would have a hard time playing it in real time, but I painstakingly wrote it on the piano and then, and then, you know, of course, playing it on banjo on the album. But um, this one, uh, um, Ella Jordan and Duncan Wickle are both playing fiddles on and just um, they do some really, really gorgeous uh, four-part harmonies together on the fiddles. And, um, you know, a thing we haven't mentioned yet, but that probably like, probably my favorite thing about this music is is the way people are listening so carefully and responding to each other in the moment. So uh, there's some moments on this, I think during one of Ella's solos. So Duncan and Ella kind of trade solos a little bit, but during Ella's solo, there's this thing that happens between her and Dan on bass, this conversational thing that I just love so much. So there's moments like that throughout the album. Like I feel like on this album, if there's a solo you like, listen to what people are playing as backup for the solo. <laughs> and that will show you why the solo sounded so good. Cause somebody was responding or listening or supporting it or throwing out a suggestion that the soloist then responded to. So anyway, that's, that's a thing I like about this track a lot.
Look at you go from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. We're going track by track through the full recording with Ben. And we're coming up to Castle Music. So Castle Music, um, this, actually, this is an older one, too. This one I wrote in 2019. Um, and I made a demo with a couple layers of banjo and electric bass. And I, I think I recorded some mouth percussion on it to kind of give it the sound I wanted. Uh, definitely has a lot of influence from a lot of like contemporary uh like genre sounds kind of the uh jazz hip-hop sort of indie kind of intersection of you know uh some really cool stuff uh actually you know it's funny this came up i was talking with my students the other day somebody shared a, a a tune from weather report just by coincidence it was the day i think it was the morning that wayne shorter passed away but before we had heard that wayne shorter had passed away and we were listening to this weather report music and there's this thing happening in the chords i guess it's joe zalanol on keys and um what he's doing on keys is actually kind of like what I was going for in castle music in the little banjo part, but I didn't know weather report was an influence because the stuff I was basing it off of was this later kind of music. But anyway, again, I'm kind of nerding out too much here, but yeah, it's castle music. And then the reason why it's called castle music is, uh, um, the melody, my partner, Laura thought the melody was really funny outside out of context without hearing what it sounded like in the context of the tune. She was joking around that it sounded like, uh, like some, like, like tv show or something where these like men are like raiding the castle or something in, in the medieval garbs and stuff and that's not to me that's not at all what the music conjures but i just thought castle music was just too good of a name not to not to use for this tune
Castle Music from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals. And Ben, we've been talking about the titles, and we've mentioned both Grant Gordy and Joe K. Walsh. And I've asked them how title names come to be. And Grant was telling me he just, most of the time, he just keeps a list of names. And he says, okay, that's the right title for this one. And Joe says, you know, it's kind of a mix. I'm curious, do you write and then come up with titles, or do you sometimes have a title in mind and then what it's right you'll award it to a tune that you've written uh, i should do that i should keep track of titles um i'm not as clever as grant i mean grant has that tune called i think like the elephant of surprise and he's got these wonderful titles uh but no i i write the music first and then and then actually I have placeholder names. So when we recorded these, they all had different names, but then when, when it's actually finished and I'm listening to it, then I'm kind of listening, like, what's the, what's the emotional tone here? Like, what is this piece doing? What story is this piece telling? And then I'll try to name it appropriately. So like, for instance, like it probably sounds really funny. We were talking about Laura's tune before and you're asking me about it. And I start talking about Joe Walsh's songwriting instead of talking about Laura. But the thing is that, that that's kind of like the order, like you write the tune first and then like, what does it sound like? What does this call to mind? Like, oh, this makes me think of Laura or like, look at you go. The one, the one that we listened to pretty recently, um, you know, uh, that's kind of melancholy in some ways and also really beautiful in some ways. And look at you go is, is again, it's a reference from this show. And there's a whole song that has that line in it. That's expressing a bunch of things about, you know, human attachment and stuff. But um, I think of look at you go as like, it's a reference to this other song, but it's also, it's an appreciation of, I think of it as an appreciation of Laura. I think of it as an appreciation of Birdie. When you say, look at you go to a person versus to a little dog, they mean different things, you know, yeah. look at you go as a dog racing around. Yeah. And, and sadly, you know, I mean, Peter, you and I were talking about before the show started that my dad passed away recently and he's been, he was, he's been in, and he was in poor health for a long time. And um, so look at you go, you know, has yet another meaning to think about, uh, you know, with losing somebody like that. But even while the appreciation of, you know, look at you go, it still applies to someone you've lost because you're still, you know, you've got their memory and, and that that appreciation for them. So, so yeah, just kind of putting up put the short answers, putting the title, I put, I title them after it, after they're written. Well, you talk about your dad and we're coming up to mom and dad's 51st. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is just, um, it's a sweet tune. I don't, I don't know if I have more to say about it, um, but it's just kind of, a, um, I think, a pretty straightforward tune that I thought is just, um, you know, celebrating the, the relationship they had and, and just the, the, the how I think they did a you know, good job as parents, the things I, a lot of things I appreciate about them. So this one's titled for them.
and Dad's 51st from Ben Krakauer's album Hidden Animals out March 22nd. Ben, I'm curious, do you go back like this tune? Obviously, you wrote in honor of your mom and dad's 51st. Do tunes change much from when you wrote them till later on when you go into the studio or or even after that? Yes, for every every part of that. Like um, they, I'll, I'll, I'll really craft them on my own as much as I can. And sometimes I'll even make a demo of them. And sometimes I kind of like the demo a lot. But then when I record with the musicians, of course, they're going to do something cooler than my demo. And then we make a very specific version that ends up on the album. But what I'm really kind of embracing is that um, in putting out these albums of original music, I'm just trying to, um, one of the things I'm trying to do is to make a catalog. And then anytime I have a future concert, play some of that music. And the hope is that it'll take some new shape in performance too. So um, like, for instance, I've been thinking a lot about how I'd like to do some of this music with two banjos. Like with the, if there's another banjo player friend, you know, who, I, who would, who would want to learn some of this stuff that that would be really fun. And I think these tunes would sound totally different if they were done by two banjos, but yeah, I hope that they'll keep on unfolding and every on the rare times that, that someone else records some of them. I also love to hear how other people treat this music too. Like you might've seen on social media recently. Um, there's uh, some friends of mine, this family named the quails from the Bay area of California. Have the, so two of the boys, miles and Teo are just like, you know, outstanding instrumentalists in one of their bands. Uh, I don't remember which band of theirs it was, but recorded my tune poodles recently and uh, like they've been playing it in some of their shows and just like ripping it. And that's, that's so fun to hear. So I, I like to hear the way it takes a different shape too, if someone else is playing it as well. Yeah. There's a great fiddle player, George Jackson from New Zealand. And he wrote a tune Dorigo then, and that kind of went viral with over a thousand different people recording their own rendition. And it was wonderful to hear each one in the life it took on based on who was playing it. Yeah, that was an amazing thing that 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 challenged thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, there are some artists I know who from the time they record it to you know, 20 years later, they still want it to sound exactly the same. And that's fine, but letting the music breathe and find its new life is always fascinating. That's especially what makes live music a great thing. And when you get that chance to get out there and hear how it sounds and it may be a lot different than what it is on the album but you know sometimes i've heard live performances and i'll go back and hear the recording i say oh hope somebody recorded the live one <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely well we are going track by track through hidden animals with ben Krakauer, and we are coming up to dog boy breakdown does this have anything to do with birdie yep it's about birdie uh <laughs> And this is just, it's a kind of a funny tune, you know, this is one that, that the band played on the, my CD release tour. Um, so if any of your listeners heard us in Charlottesville, right, but like a couple of weeks before the pandemic, uh, we played this one and I, we had, what were we calling it then? I think Duncan said it sounded like, uh, like Mario Kart music or something. So he might've caught it that, um, but um, it's just, uh it's just kind of wacky and fun and the chords change in, in sort of unusual ways. Um, and it, this was just, uh, one thing I love on this recording, um, it's so great. It's great to talk about all these with you. And I'm also realizing for every single song we're talking about, there's these like little moments that I would highlight, but I'll just, you know, whatever, I can highlight them any other time. But uh, 
uh, Duncan playing playing cello on this track. I know people have heard him play cello and know he's a wonderful cello player, but I don't know if people have heard him like rip on bluegrass on cello before. That's a fairly esoteric lane. I think people think about, you know, Rashad Eggleston is so great at that and, and Tristan Claridge. They're only so Nat Smith, you know, there's a couple cello players out there who who really rip on bluegrass, but it's really fun to hear Duncan do that on this on this track. And and there's that conversational thing too, where like there's some things that the way the dance bass interacts with this cello and the solo is just really fun.
Dog Boy Breakdown from Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals, out March 22nd. And as my listeners know that there's never enough cello in bluegrass music. So. Great. Well, we're coming to the outro of not only our track by track, but of the album. Tell us about this one. Yeah, so this one... Uh... This is when it gets into a little bit of like dubious territory to call it an original composition because this was like I, we finished recording gem music which we talked about earlier and i just started playing a little riff and just kept it going and everyone else joined in for a while and we recorded for a while and that's the tune that's called outro so it's just a little little improvisation in the studio but um it's just you know captured a mood and i thought it sounded really pretty and um I think it's uh, we couldn't have ended the album on Dog Boy Breakdown. <laughs> I think this one brings make uh, makes the, the whole thing a little bit more cohesive um, in some ways. But it's just you know just a little little mood music for the final you know minute and a half or so of the album. Outro, the final track on Ben Krakauer's new album, Hidden Animals, out March 22nd. And the album features Ben, of course, on banjo, Nick Falk on drums, Ella Jordan on fiddle, Duncan Wickle on both fiddle and cello, and Dan Klingsberg on bass. You do want to check out bencrakauer.com, and you can pick up the album over on Bandcamp, not only digitally, but I think you've got available as a cd as well come yeah march 22nd that's true and one other shout out i want to give um well two shout outs so anna jane lester did the graphic design on the album we already mentioned charles van kirk who, who recorded it mixed it dave cinco the the great dave cinco mastered it um and uh we mentioned the Roper records and joe brent there uh, but the one other person who you know if you if you listen to the album, you know, you'll see the, the art design for it. So my friend, um, Iliad Sabchi is this amazing uh, painter who he and I were living in the same town in India when I was there. Um, he's from Iran and he lives in uh, Turkey now. And he, he's just this like amazing painter. And he, he's his, I use one of his paintings also as the, as the cover art for Heart Lake. 
And, you know, let me use an image of it for this, this um, Hidden Animals album. And he, there's this art website called Saatchi.com, S-A-A-T-C-H-I.com, I think. And you can find tons of his stuff there. I think with the current situation with the U.S. and Iran, or maybe specifically with Iran and, and people living outside of the country, I think he's been having difficulties like getting payments and being able to sell art internationally. So I think he's having some difficulty with that right now, but he's an amazing artist. And whenever that thing resolves, which hopefully it will, um, you know, if you, if you got some art, art uh, collectors in the, in your listenership, um, check out his work. Cause it's really, really spectacular. And again, you can see the artwork over on Bandcamp as well as on Ben's website, bencrackhour.com. Ben, thanks for taking some time to go through each of the tracks on this great new album. This is, this is a treat, Peter. It's really like, uh, it's, it's just, it's a gift, honestly, for you to invite me and to, to get to talk about this music. I'm just happy to share it with your listeners. And look forward to getting you back in our performance area when you're touring back through central Virginia anytime. And maybe we'll get you to play guest DJ again that you did about be- a year or so back. That would be fun. I'd love to. And I'll certainly be in touch when I'm, when I'm traveling through the air. It'd be fun to, to do, do an in-studio performance again.